Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I am super pumped to be here with you all kicking it. How you doing today, my friends? It's starting to get a little crispy outside, and I'm a big man, so I appreciate it because your boy looks good in layers. You know what I'm talking about? Hope you're out here seeing some beautiful leaves if you live by a place where the leaves change. And if you don't, must be nice. Go sip a Mai Tai on the beach and rub it in our faces on Instagram. Either way, friends, I'm excited that you are here with us right now. I have a guest today that I have known for a number of years, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. He's one of these people that has believed in me since before I think I believed in myself. And at times that's been uncomfortable. Uh, and, and at times it's been really humbling. And most of the times, though, it's been really beautiful. And so I'm just grateful because you know, when I got started in my speaking career, I got I was able to speak at Humber College in uh, Toronto, Ontario. And uh, and this man and I kicked it off. And not just because we're both Italian, all right? But watch your mouth anyway. But let me tell you about him. Ercole Perone. Say I'm going to say it one more time because it's so fun. Ercole Perone. Okay. is an accomplished social impact executive with expertise in governance and strategic management. He's the CEO of Ignite at Humber College and over in Guelph as well. He's a solutions-focused thinker with an excellent foresight and judgment to directly strategize, to direct strategy and affect meaningful change, leading to improved business performance, organizational effectiveness, and social impact. He's a huge equity, diversity, and inclusion advocate and ally, a natural leader, a relationship builder, and a collaborator. He is a great man with a great laugh and a great presence. I'm excited for you to meet my man, Ercole Perone. Hey, how's it going, James? What's up, my guy? Coming to you from the north, brother. How you doing? Yeah, we the north up there. <laughs> That's right. How are things going in Toronto? Things are good. Things are good. Starting to get, I heard your intro, starting to get a little crisp out here too, but the leaves are changing and it's always nice. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, uh, you know, this is called, this is called Diner Talks with James, as you know, my friend. And so I like to, I always like to start off the episodes by, by learning what is a favorite late night guilty pleasure food? What's your, what's your move late at night, Ercole? Do you, you know, do you, is there something, I, obviously you're in the land of poutine and which is an outrageous product. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm wondering where, where do you go late at night if you're able to, what do you eat? I am a I am a French toast connoisseur, man. Woo! Brioche bread, challah bread, you name it. If it's, if it's French toast, um, I'm showing up. I'm showing up. And if I'm feeling, uh, if I'm feeling particularly hungry, might even go for like a side order of corned beef hash. There you go. Yes. Yeah, and get the corned beef hash well done, right? Any little crisp on that. That's right. That's right. Can't be wet. Can't Come be on. soggy. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing out here? That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> French toast is incredible. You know, I talk a lot about pancakes because I have a very particular way that I eat pancakes, but French toast is an outrageous product. In New York, um, it's pretty much only on the challah bread um, yep. and uh, that thick style. And But yeah, on a great brioche, I'm, I'm here for it. I also recently had someone cut a cinnamon bun in half and then dip it in French toast batter and put it on a griddle. And uh, I thought about marrying that person, but I was already married, so. <laughs> Worth giving it a try. You can't say no to that. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. What about so, you? Are you, uh, are you? Are you rocking a grilled cheese uh, sandwich with bacon today, or are you doing a stack of pancakes? Woo! That's a, that's a tough call. You know, it's, it's always an in-the-moment decision. Sometimes I'll have the, uh, the server make the decision for me and be like, what there do I go. look like today? Do I look like <laughs> a guy who's holding a grilled cheese, or do I look like a guy who's cutting into a stack of pancakes? Yeah. And, uh, you know, anything to make them laugh because sometimes they'll give me a free chocolate milk. So there you go. Chocolate <laughs> milk. I got to go with coffee, man. I got to I got to get that diner coffee. Your coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's the thing. As someone with uh, such deep Italian roots, <laughs> coffee is something that I would assume that you are particular about. Or have you dropped your standards from your across the pond family heritage? No, no, I'm I'm definitely a, a coffee drinker. You know, you what, what is what, What's the health thing to do? Drink eight liters of uh, water a day. I, I I took out water and I added I added coffee. Yeah, <laughs> latte, still water in there, right? espresso, just regular good old fashioned drip. It's all mm-hmm. good. If it's yeah, coffee, yeah. I like it. My wife Tina, her favorite dessert is an affogato. Um, right, okay. the espresso on top of the vanilla vanilla That's ice right. cream. Ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's her. That's how she gets coffee at night. I'm not, I'm not bougie. So I, I don't, I don't go there. Oh, he's not. Bougie. All right. Well, we'll... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to call Tina bougie. I'm going to tell you, you said that. She's going to crack up. She'll probably be been, like, yeah, you're right. I have been, yeah. I have been known to add a little, a little Bailey's to the coffee on a, on a rough night. Let's oh, sure. That. Yeah. You've earned it. You've earned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm super stoked to be talking to you, brother. You are a first-generation Canadian. Your Sorry. family is uh, your family is from Italy. Both of your parents are from Italy. Everybody, you are you are are you 100% Italian? Uh yeah, both uh, both. Well, I say I'm 100% Canadian because I was born in Canada. Okay, right. So I'm Canadian all the way. My parents were were born in Italy, and so mm-hmm. I obviously grew up in that culture, and it uh, um, oozes in and out of me. But uh, I'm Canadian. I'm a proud Canadian. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. With uh, with parents from Italy in the household growing up, did they speak English or were they had they had they become fluent in English and or French? Right in Ontario, I know you can kind of get away with both. Yeah, um, both my parents spoke spoke English uh, fluently. Um, mm. My dad, pretty pretty, you know, straightforward, just like the two of us. You know, no no hint of a, of a major accent. My mom still had a bit of an accent. They spoke, you know, they spoke Italian to each other. Um, on and off Italian to me and my sister, but primarily English. Okay. Um, not, neither of my, my grandparents spoke uh, a lick of English. Uh, so we, uh, we had to make do. We had to, we had to fight for attention with uh, non nono by speaking uh, uh, as good Italian as we could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What does being Italian mean to you? We're going to come back to the fact that you're 100% Canadian. Don't worry, I'm not trying to ignore that. Um, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was an important sentence that you shared. But what does uh, what is it about being Italian that you love? What you know, I'm, 
well, there are parts of the heritage that you're super proud of. Is there, is there, is there an attitude? Is there a, you know, like what, what is it about being Italian that you're, you know, that you're like, heck yeah, I'm Italian. Look at my name. What do you think I am? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the food, right? Like you can't, you, you, you can't knock the, the, the emphasis on, uh, on cuisine when it comes yeah. to Italian culture and Italian heritage. Um, you know what? I, I, you know, it's a fair question. I'm not trying to dodge it, but like I, in the absence of experiencing another culture the same way I've experienced the Italian culture, I don't, I can't tell you what I like about being Italian, sure. uh, being Italian Canadian more than, than, than any other, right? Like I think, you know, they're, you know, big family values, but I don't think that those are unique to, to the Italian culture. Mm-hmm. I, there's, uh, you know, there's a sense of responsibility and, and hard work, but I don't, I don't think that that's unique to, to being Italian. So um, I'll stick with the food. You can't can't go wrong there. Mm-hmm. The language sounds uh, uh, is uh, is obviously amazing. Um, yes. You know, I agree. When I was growing up, I gotta tell you, when I was growing up, I couldn't get enough of the you know the mobster movies, and I thought like, you know, that's that looked good. That that sounded like a lifestyle that you know <laughs> would suit me. You know, and then yep. you start to realize just what the implications of that lifestyle are, and you you know you move away from it. Yep. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know yeah, what I'm talking right. about, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, yep, watch yep, the yep. Godfather and you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Kiss the finger, <laughs> kiss the ring. <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> Hide the gun, take the cannoli. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> It's uh yeah no that's beautiful man that's beautiful you know I watched a show recently uh, where I'm a I'm a I'm a big car guy and uh, and so I've always there hasn't been a moment in my life that I can remember that I didn't have uh, photos of Italian cars on my wall and so having getting to go to Italy and actually uh, you know touring the factories in and uh, and the beautiful uh, Bologna region um, it's uh, it's really it was incredible to do it. And also the, the show that I watched recently uh, where they were, they were riding around in a Lamborghini in Rome <clears throat> and, uh, and there were people taking their cameras out and taking photos. And the guy said, he said, the guy who was riding, he said, these people are not taking photos of me because I'm driving an outlandish car. These people are taking photos of me because they're proud of this. Like that, they, and, and like, this is, um, they're just proud of their heritage, proud of this is a, a product that came. Look at, look at what we created. That's right. Yeah. Right. And, that we mentality uh, is really is really beautiful in Italian culture, and, and I appreciated that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I know so, what you mean. I know what you yeah, mean. My, yeah. my my wife is just a quick deviation. My wife is was born in Argentina, okay, um, and then immigrated to to, to Canada. And um, you know, when we when we have conversations about culture and and what have you, you know, she 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 expresses this way better than I will. But you know, Italy being such a small country, you know size wise mm-hmm. um, has produced its culture to an extent that it's, you know, all over the world. Yeah. Um, so that, that pride that you're talking about uh, is connected to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Italy has done a great job. I think there's a lot of other, especially here in the United States, I think a lot of other cultures look to the way Italy has figured out a way to do it, to be like, man, yeah. how could we, how could we be the next Italian food or the next right. whatever? Right. right? <clears throat> yeah. 
uh, it's fascinating. And there's also, uh, I mean, we can probably get into the deep uh, social justice side of how that worked and how Italy was able to do that, maybe compared to some other cultures um, for sure. But that's not to say that Italians have always had it easy um, on this side of the pond either. Uh, So uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but you are um, you are you're 100 percent Canadian. Uh, Canada, <laughs> Canada is what you know. Uh, and I know you are. I know you're a Raptors fan. Are you a Leafs fan, Leafs fan as well? You go you go all the sports. I'm, I'm OK with hockey. I'm OK with hockey. It's it's, uh, it's definitely all about the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, you and Drake sitting courtside. I've seen right. So yeah, <laughs> dapping each other up before the game. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, with the work uh, that you do today and working with uh, empowering university students um, and and whatnot, that's that's not something that anybody is born saying. You know what I want to do one day, right? Like none of us who got into work with with college and university students knew that we wanted to do that when we were younger. So I want you to take take me back. You know, take me back to the younger days when uh, you know your dad was talking to you, your mom's talking with a slight Italian accent. Uh, what is what does young Ercole want to be? What is what? What are you excited about being when you were younger? I gotta say, James, like I was, I was all over the map, right? Um, um, I was big into baseball when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, thought about being a baseball player. Um, actually, had a tryout with the Toronto Blue Jays uh, at one stage in my uh, my early teens. Very cool. Um, didn't even know what this meant, but I thought being an engineer sounded like something that I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't tell you exactly at the time what an engineer did. And I found out there's a lot of math involved and I, you know, <laughs> politely bowed out. Yeah. Um, I liked movies. And so I was into the idea of being an actor, like you name it. I, I, you know, I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a, um, um, a plan in place. I actually started, you know, university um, yeah. with an undeclared major. I had no, no real sense of, of um, um, what that adult life was supposed to look like. I just knew that, you know, my, my, my parents and my grandparents um, worked hard to give me these opportunities. And so I had to go to post-secondary. Like it, it wasn't mm-hmm. an option. The only problem is that I didn't know what I wanted to be. And it was, it was while I was at school that I started to um, get a little bit of an interest in, in politics um, on campus politics, obviously, for, for mm-hmm. those of you that, you know, understand campus life uh, in the student affairs world, like on campus politics is, is big. Um, and it just sort of evolves, right? I gotta, I gotta be honest, my, um, 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 my luck is good. And what I mean by that is I, I, I feel very fortunate to be in the, in the role that I, that I have, um, to your point, it was like, it's not by design. I kind of got lucky and, uh, a series of events got me to where I am today, and and uh, I, I I take that as as um I take that with a degree of responsibility to 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 do for others because um, mm. to an extent I don't know how much um, I earned all of this along the way as sure. much as I was just at the right place at the right time sometimes. Yeah. 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 Which is also not your fault. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you were there. Yeah. And I love that. I love the idea that you're trying to give it to others because obviously we can't make somebody else lucky. Um, but sometimes we can give people opportunities that then they'll later be on podcast 20 years later and be like, yeah, I got lucky uh, because some guy saw this in me and right. here we go. Right. right. Uh, I definitely would consider myself lucky for that reason in getting into when I got into higher ed in the beginning now, because 
I had a supervisor that when I was flailing and had a very mediocre GPA with my marine biology degree and realized I don't want to do marine biology the rest of my life. My supervisor, Michelle, pulled me aside and another guy named Larry both pulled me aside. So well, why don't you go into this field at least for a little bit? You know, you're not going to hurt anything. It doesn't close any doors. If anything, it opens some more because you'll be working at a university. So you could, if you decide what you want to do, if it's not this, you can get a master's degree for free and go off in the direction you want to. But right. you're not closing any doors. Maybe you're delaying some, but you don't know what you want to do anyway. So yeah, why don't you do yeah. something where you know you're good at? It's amazing to me how many people I meet, students included, that didn't, that don't even know that the roles that we had or occupy are even a thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you mean you can do that for a living? Yeah, you get yeah. paid? <laughs> you get paid to do this? Yeah. <laughs> do you think yeah. this is a volunteer position? <laughs> you think I would deal with you for free? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and we would sometimes. Some of them are worth it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So I'm wondering, you know, back in your childhood, kind of being somewhat directionless, but, I mean, maybe it doesn't sound like you were directionless. It sounds like you had uh, – uh, intermingling passions and or uh, a start stop mentality, you know, how, however you would put it. But I'm wondering for your family, was that something that they were totally fine with, right? Was your family just a total, like, just follow your heart, my son. Um, right. Or were they kind of like, all right, what's this kid doing? He's wasting time here. We got, you know, we didn't come over here for nothing. Yeah, no, it's definitely the latter. It's <laughs> definitely the latter. Um, <laughs> I, I, and I don't know how um, common of an you know immigrant experience this is, but it, it at the very least was mine, where you had you had a bit of a, a push and pull between sort of the old way and the new way, or the old world and the new world, mm -hmm. right? Like you know, traditions were embedded in everything that we did. Um, um, there were expectations on how you were to, to, to be. Um, there were ideas of what um, uh, a good life uh, for, for me and, you know, my family were supposed to look like, um, but they were all definitely rooted in those, you know, traditional Italian values, right. That, yeah. that my parents and grandparents brought over. Meanwhile, you're here in, in, you know, Western democracy, a different culture, um, different opportunities right um and you're trying to find your place right like my grandfather was uh, was great with his hands i i'm not right that's the, you know there there were these these um experiences i don't know how purposeful they were but there were these experiences whereby you know as a kid you know being impressionable mm -hmm. am, am i supposed to follow in that footstep and, and am i supposed to learn a skilled trade am i you know is yeah. is that an honorable profession or do they want me to be a professional do they want me to be a doctor do they want me to be a lawyer um i had no interest in being either one of those those things right and so you know to the extent that you know uh, um a, a, my parents did. They they provided direction. They provided op options, but um, it was a bit of a you got to figure this out. Um, you know, <laughs> you're you're not going to live here forever. Yeah. Let me tell you one right? thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you know you got to figure this out. There was you know you know go become a teacher. You're going to get a pension. You'll work there forever. Um, and you'll, you'll have job security and that, and that's big, you know, for, uh, you yeah. know, for an immigrant family, security, um, yeah. but there was, you know, now, now the term is used, but back then, I'm not sure how often that term is used, but this idea of being entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. right. Of, of wanting to do things that haven't been done before that are different or, you know, 
you know, be your own boss. And that was looked upon with, you know, a degree of skepticism, right? Like that's not safe. That's too risky. You think about your, your future wife. I'm 15. Like, what are you asking me to think about? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I guess it was, it was definitely not, you know, follow, follow your dreams, my son, <laughs> yeah. but it definitely, you know, alternatively, it wasn't, you know, you got to do this and this is how you're going to do it. Find that, that happy medium. And I had to figure it out on my own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I bet that was fascinating. And I would also assume each of your parents probably felt that differently or showed that differently, taught you that differently. What, what's your relationship like with, with your folks? Are you closer with your dad, with your mom? Uh, or, you know, like, you know, growing up, was there was there one that you could go to if you wanted to get a yes and the other one was going to shoot you down? So it's like, oh, if I want to do this, yeah. i got to ask dad. Or yeah. <laughs> um, so I – in case they ever watch or listen, let me start off by saying, I love my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'll repeat it for emphasis. I, I love my parents. Um, um, openness is not something that I would say uh, is, a, is a hallmark of our, of our family. And, mm -hmm. and I'll extend it to our broader family, right? Um, communication is, is something that I think, generally speaking, we all struggle with. Yeah. We know when we're mad at each other, <laughs> right? That's the easy part. Yeah. Um, but there, there, I gotta be honest, like there weren't a lot of, you know, um, heart to heart conversations and, um, you know, son, let me sit you down and talk to you about what life is going to be like. So, um, you know, my parents were present. They, they, you know, showed their love for, for me and my sister, um, not so much in, 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 in terms of, you know, the, the words or, or the hugs, um, right. but in, but in being providers. And I think that, you know, um, acts of not, service, right? Like Gary, yeah, you know, love languages kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to diminish, uh, you know, them as parents in any way, shape or form. Of course. Um, but they, 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 I'm going to assume that they felt that they had a job to do, and that was to set the table up for me and 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 uh, and, and my future family, mm -hmm. uh, in such a way that you know maybe it was a little bit on the uh, on the rigid side or on the cold side, but yeah. um, they didn't. It was too important for them not to fail, and you know being soft uh, and maybe you know me growing up um, um, being soft or overly sensitive was something that I think they 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 worried about. Um, me being eaten up by society because yeah. they were new and they didn't necessarily, they had, they had, um, I would say a, a healthy mistrust for Canadian institutions, right? You know, sure, it's not yeah. how we do it. This is how they do it. And, um, for you to be accepted and for you to be successful, um, you know, let's just keep our heads down and, and, and just do good work. And I think that, that made them, um, um, act as parents in a different way than maybe not maybe i know definitely i am with with my kids right yeah 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 that makes it that makes a lot of sense even though it's obviously completely different than than my experience uh but i've i've heard uh, other immigrants speak about it in that way and i think uh it of course it there has to be some, some, there's gotta be, you gotta be coming in with some skepticism. Obviously you, you wouldn't be here if there wasn't hope involved. Right. But now that you're here, um, now that you're here, it's kind of like, well, all right. But like, you know, are you going to, 
is somebody else going to ruin this for me? Is someone else going to, what are you going to, how are you going to affect my family? How are you going to write? Like, are you going to, are you going to love us? <laughs> are you right. going to, yeah. uh, right? Are you going to believe in us? Are you going to give us, you know, opportunities, even if we are X, Y, or Z, right? Like, yeah, I think, too much, too much to lose, right? Like my, my mom left her, her, her mother, um, her uh, two brothers and sisters to come here. Yeah. And so, you know, she couldn't risk all that, you know, not being worth a successful life for, for me and my sister. And yeah. if that meant being, you know, tough and, and, and rigid and, 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 and having high expectations of what it was like to, 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 to grow up, then I, th- I think they made that calculation that that, that was important. And yeah, it's one of sure. those things that, you know, you, you might not thank me now, but you thank me later. Is you know those proverbial lessons that you learn as a uh, uh, as an adult when you look back at your parents, you'd be like, okay, I may not have liked it, but I understand where they were going with this. Mm-hmm. I would have done it a little different, but I get <laughs> I get how it I get why it was what it was. You know what I mean? I see you. I see That's you. Right. Yeah, a little finesse, maybe, but. <laughs> I love, <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that. And that's that's the kind of statement that you can only say with age and wisdom, right? knowing what you know now, right? Yeah, in the moment, absolutely. in the moment, I'm sure you were like, "Why, mom, dad?" Right? I mean, I hopefully didn't talk to him like I did, but uh, <laughs> but, like, but still, uh, but yeah, like in the moment, you don't understand it, right? It's like a you know, you'll you'll understand when you're older, kid, kind of thing. Yeah. Which is the most frustrating thing to understand or hear, but right. yet now that we're at this age, you're like, "Man, crap, they were right." That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, be, I better pick up the phone and say thank yeah, you. Yeah. I would have never got you. I would, I would, if you tried to explain to me what I know now, I would have never understood. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, any that's any awesome. of that resonate with you or, or not so much? Because uh, from what I remember, your your parents were born in, in, in the U.S. Yeah, both born. Yeah, both born in the U.S. Um, my I believe my mom is third generation. Okay. Uh, Irish American, I think, I think my, I think her grandparents, parents, and my great, great grandparents, I believe came here from Ireland on, on her side. And then similar for my, my fam, my father's side from Italy, uh, from like the Potenza region of Italy is where they came from. Nice. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think, and also, uh, I'm the third kid. Uh, I'm the baby. Uh, okay. they had me like nine years after my, the middle brother. Um, and, uh, and there was some, some part of it that I think they were just like, I don't know, we got other things to do with our life at this point. So you'd figure yours out. Figure right. That's not to say that. I mean, my parents were, uh, uh, they, I definitely, based on what I've been told about the way that they, they handled my brothers and the way they handled me, particularly my oldest brother. Right. I, I had the easy street. Um, and I like to tell them it's because I'm a flawless individual right, and I'm right. grateful for everything that was given to me. So, you know, I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> not naturally that wasn't actually the case, but still, <laughs> um, but I think there was some of it where it's like, they trusted me, um, because a, they realized the other two didn't, uh, the other two didn't do a lot of damage and, and figured it out. And at some point in time, you also realize it's out of your control. Um, but also I think I, I was a good kid, right? I didn't, uh, not to say that any of this would make someone a bad kid, but I think it makes it easier, right? I didn't drink. I didn't yeah. party. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't doing drugs. I was, I was a theater nerd, right? Like yeah. there wasn't, there wasn't much that was going on. Like I wanted to stay out late so we could make up scenes with friends, right? Like, I mean, like we wasn't, wasn't anything crazy. Right. Um, and so, yeah, my parents very much were, uh, you know, 
go go where you want. At the same time, they could tell that there were things that I was interested in. And so, you know, I wanted to do marine biology um, and they knew that I had a passion because whenever I went to the the library, I would take out books on fish and things like that. Whenever I brought home drawings from school, there of whales and hammerhead sharks, right? Nice. Um, and so, so you know, my parents cultivated that. And like, we watched a lot of Discovery Channel, a lot of Jacques Cousteau, a lot of all that kind of stuff. My dad also knew that I was funny um, and knew that I loved the humorous roles that I was getting in theater. And he said, well, I want, I want you to learn more about the history of comedy. And so, you know, That's Friday, great. Friday nights, we're watching, uh, Abbott and Costello. We're watching the Marx brothers. We're watching, you know, Sid Caesar. We're watching like a lot of the old school and three stooges, of course, the Muppets. Right. And right. he's like, you know, I want you to watch some of this and watch yeah. a Rodney Dangerfield. I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I want to do comedy. Oh, I'll tell you. Um, right. And so, yeah, so but there was some amazing. of that, but for the most part, it was, you know, kind of see where you go. Yeah, but that's amazing. Like clearly, clearly, you got and I'm, I'm, you know, friends friends of mine who grew up in the same way that I did. We like to say that you know sometimes we didn't get the push. You know what I mean? And um, it sounds like your parents invested in that. That they 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 gave you the put the push. They took an interest in what you were interested in, and provided you opportunities to explore that in a in a safe way. And and clearly, it's worked. So hats yeah. off to mama and papa robo on that i think i think they knew i was kind of like a cat right we're gonna figure it out i'll probably land on my feet um <laughs> may not look pretty on the fall but you know we'll stick to landing uh right i think that's also uh, let's be honest man that's that's also privilege right like yeah there was no they didn't necessarily have reason to worry more than any other parent more than any other parent of a privileged you know background has to worry um right we lived in a, a very safe town uh we lived in uh we, we grew up with more than enough uh like yep. i said I, I wasn't a bad kid and uh and yeah i think i think there was some of it where it's just they just didn't have they didn't have to worry right uh they didn't have to give up a lot to have me um <clears throat> or anything like that and so so i think there was there was some of that that it was coming from there wasn't necessarily this chip on their shoulder whereas my brothers you know my parents were in a very different financial situation when my brothers were born they're 9 and 11 years older than me mm-hmm. and so you know i know that i was afforded way more opportunities than my brothers were and if i didn't know my brothers would constantly remind me so now i know right. um, yeah. but you know so but there's definitely there's some there's some privilege in there as well in the way that i grew up that enabled me that enabled my parents to maybe have a little bit more trust or a little bit more flexibility yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. And you know, the fact that you mentioned that you're three, um, three boys, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, that, that connects with me in the sense that I, I recognize that as a, as a boy, I was afforded a little bit more latitude, right? I could, there are certain mistakes that I could make that, that I don't think would, you know, would have been applicable to, to my sister or my, my female cousins as an example, right? Like, as as the guy, you know, there's a little bit of that, you know, hey, he's gonna do what he's gonna do, you know, yeah. um, right or wrong, you know, at the time. But that that was a bit of the um, I guess that was a bit of the 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 impression that was given, right? Like there's a little bit more latitude for you because you're a boy, whether, you know, and I think luckily I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't take any wrong turns with that with that space. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's great to hear. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there are times where I mean, I, def- I can list away a bunch of times where I put my foot in my mouth and that's, <laughs> and I know you could probably rattle off some as well, but fortunately nothing too egregious that we can't do what we would love to do now. That's um, right. <laughs> we can, you know, now they're, they're important stories that we share with others of uh, uh, and whatnot, um, which is, which is incredible because that's, 
that's the work that you get to do right now mm-hmm. as someone who gets to work with students. And I mean, you watch your students step in shit all day long. Um, but that's the beauty of, of higher education is that in some ways it's a leadership residency. It's a life yep. residency, right? Yep. Where you, you have this amazing team of staff that is there to help you serve you and guide you. But at the same time, they're also there to, to take their hands off. Right. I, I remember whenever I was interviewing for, for jobs in higher ed, I always used to say, I was like, I think my role is kind of like the bumpers in bumper bowling, right? Where it's like, it's my job to make sure you don't yep. get too crazy or don't get <laughs> to this or to that, right? Like, uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, it's not my job to make sure you get a strike every single time, right? Like, you know, if you just get one pin down, then yeah, then well, let's talk about it, right. right? How do we, you know, how can we get more pins down next time? But I'm not going to let you drop into a pit of despair or I'm going to try my hardest not to. Um, and and that's the life that you chose as well, or, or, or occupation, I would say, that you chose. And, and I'm wondering, what was it about working with university students that made you, I don't know, that kind of even apply for the job initially way back when we started working at Humber and what, where do you, where are you today with your relationship with working with university students? Um, I mean, I, I, I like that leading because, you know, the, the way you talked about the, uh, the, the bumper cars. Um, so I work with, with both college and university students and, mm-hmm. and, you know, for, for our American friends, there's a bit of a distinction up, up here in Canada. Um, College students generally are um, in post-secondary education for, you know, two years, maybe three, um, but progressively, you know, they're, they're adding that that fourth year, like an undergrad. And then obviously university students are, are definitely for four years with us. Um, and so with that, it, you're in a constant um, uh, constant change, right? You're, you're, you're never dealing with the same type of personality or student, um, over the course of a year and so it always it always has a way of staying fresh right Mm -hmm. the the issues are always the same right students trying to balance their studies their time with their friends and family trying to learn either a skill or a discipline to get a job um paying for housing is expensive traveling to school is expensive you know time money stress always uh always on the student's mind And, and generally speaking that's what holds the student back from being successful as as an academic you know being um, but working with those students every year and trying to solve those problems in creative and unique ways, it's, it's, it's tough to get bored, right? Like I'm, I'm super grateful for the experience that I've, I've had here at, uh, at Ignite. Um, we've done a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, cool things and cutting edge things that, um, I, I, I think have, 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 whether they realize it or not really set students up to be successful, even when they leave. Um, but that, that piece about coaching and mentoring is um, it's indescribable how you, how that feeling you get when you, when you make a connection to a student um, and then you start to spend more time with them or they seek you out for advice. And you're like, you want to know what I think about that? Like that, that's an awesome feeling um, yes. to feel like someone who you just met or, or recently met um, already sees you as someone that they can, you know, confide in and, and, and seek advice for. Um, we don't have the benefit of, of, of time to build trust in a lot of these relationships. I'm not sure if you felt the same way when, when you were um, in, the, in those settings, but, you know, sure. 
you only got them for a short period of time, right? Especially if they're, a, you know, a designated student leader where they're like a president or a board of director. And those are the ones that I deal with the, the, the most, you know, they have one year, two year at max um, in these roles. And you gotta, you gotta cut through the bullshit and get, get to the heart of what um, matters to them and ensure that that fits with what matters to the broader student population. Cause it can't just matter to you and your five friends. It's got to matter to, you know, the 33,000 students that, that mm-hmm. represent us or that we represent, I should say. And so you got to cut through, um, you know, that, that you don't have the benefit of time to, you know, I'll take you out for a coffee. Right. Like if I like you, you know, if I do like you, maybe we'll go to the movies. Like, no, we don't got that time. We got, you know, we got a week, two weeks max to figure out if we're going to jive. And if we're going to jive, then we're going to do some cool things. And if, if we're not, then we're going to spend the year trying to overcome our differences. And, and that's going to come at the expense of the students that we, we serve. And so I, I walk into all these scenarios and all these um, um, relationships, you know, with, you know, I'm going to trust that you have good intentions. I'm going to trust that what you want to accomplish isn't to sort of define, um, like your just your own legacy, but it's going to have a big impact on the rest of the the student body. Um, and you are going to have to trust me that I'm going to steer you in a direction that's going to make you the most successful in the limited amount of time that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might you might hear no from me, but that no is not because I'm afraid of the work. That no is not because I you know I don't I don't um, I don't believe in you or I don't think that you can do this. Um, my my no is probably going to be accompanied with but right no but why don't we think about that solution differently or or, yeah. or the way you framed that problem might not be exactly how you know that other student or those other group of students see it um so let's take a step back and rethink it um it's 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 tough to get bored with with that you know what i mean yeah especially yeah, with a constantly cycling group of people it's uh, yeah you're constantly learning somebody new yeah. um and also the world is changing right? oh, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot going on where for sure yeah, you're, you're kept on your toes for sure no doubt Erica, about it. Erica, i also love the uh the position that that you that you said uh that you know where it's like the way that we say no I'm, you're going to hear no right yeah but the way that we say no to each other matters and it's not that we're saying no to someone's brain. We're just saying no to that particular idea. That's but right. the way that we have that conversation matters a lot, right? If, we, if someone comes to us and we're like, how about, and they're like, how about this? And we're like, no, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Have you met the yeah. people around here? We tried it last year. It failed. You did this. That's Yeah. Right? That right there is the worst one. We've tried it before and it didn't work. Doesn't Don't work. never say that. Never say that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So instead, the way that we say no matters, because I think a pet peeve of pretty much every human being that I've ever come across with um, is that no one likes to be made feel uh, made to feel like they're stupid. Right. And when you say no to someone that way, it makes them feel stupid. That builds resentment that that crushes trust. Um, and right. It, it absolutely derails any attempt at rapport. Um, but that's why I love the way that you were talking about it is that, you know, you're going to hear no from me, but that no isn't because of X, Y, or Z it's for these other reasons. And so because of that, I love the way that your brain's working. Let us have it keep working that direction. And that was your first idea. I can't wait to hear your second idea. Right. Right. Like that's the thing as opposed to sometimes you say no to somebody in such a harsh way, you don't get any more of their ideas. Yeah. Uh, You pop the balloon. So I think that was really powerful how you shared that. 
No, I appreciate that. Like I, I, you know, tons of examples of, of, you know, student leaders that have come with, um, you know, ideas or initiatives that they wanted to take on that, you know, maybe they can, they, they can see it at the end, but they didn't even know like the, the struggle is then how to, how to bridge that gap. Like what are the steps in place? And, and, you know, that's when you roll up your sleeves and you say, okay, your idea is good. Um, let me help you chart that path and give you the freedom to, to do it in your own way, right? You, you, you got talent. Let's, let's give you some runway on uh, working this out the way you want, knowing that you talked about, you know, um, um, like safety pads. I'll, I'll use another analogy, which is like a, um, a safety net. Like if you mm-hmm. fail, it's not going to hurt, <laughs> right? Because right, I'll be yeah, here, yeah. right? And, and guess what? Um, along the way, it's kind of good if you encounter some failures because you're going to learn from them, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if in my role as, as, uh, um, uh, as a CEO, I knock out every barrier you're going to face. And this is an easy ride from you to point A to point Z. And, you know, you, you don't experience a little bit of obstacles or hardship. Then I, I did you wrong. I, I didn't do you a, a, a service. I, I didn't do you any favors. Mm-hmm. But if I allow you to make mistakes in a safe environment where you're going to learn from it, and also recognize that you know when you when you went right you should have went left, um, but you're not worse off for it. But now you have the knowledge of, of of that. Then then I feel better about you reaching that goal, um, or even reaching it eighty percent of what you thought, rather than a hundred percent. But you you know you coasted right because yep. you didn't learn anything along the ride. Yeah. It's not going to serve you after. Completely agree. Completely agree. And it, you are someone who is also a parent. Yes. Yes, sir. You have, and yeah. you have you have two kids, right? Three, three, three. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm a great no, friend. That's right. Um, I only care about two of your kids. That's so uh, <laughs> I want to I want to ask which ones. <laughs> Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, but but this is this is sometimes a difference between parenting versus coaching, mentoring, and things like that, where, you know, especially with, when kids are young there, but there is a, there's value to the word no. Um, yeah. and there's safety in the word no, a lot of times, but you know, what's fascinating to think about is as I'm entering uh, parenthood now, right. And we're, we're 10 months in, um, and so I'm by no means an expert, but I'm wondering for you, when you think about the role that you have with your students, as you just described, um, compared to the role of who you are as a father, how would you how would you talk about the difference there? Well, as you were leading into that question, I I, I wasn't like, the first first thing that came into my mind was was a similarity, not a not a difference. Great, start there. Um, um, and that and that would be empathy, mm. right? Um, understanding where my my daughter or my son or, or my youngest daughter are in that in that moment when they're coming to you either um, asking for something asking to do something or wanting to or wanting to know something right um, is really no different than how you would apply that very same empathetic lens to a student leader who's um, um, you know, maybe overcoming a little bit of uh, uh, anxiety about asking somebody for for help in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I would I would say like I guess the first thing that came to mind is it wasn't a difference as much as it was similarity in terms of that empathetic idea of, of recognizing where they are in that moment and, and and being there for them the way they they want you to be there for them. And I think you know, as someone who 
gets offered help or gives help um, a lot. Um, there's a difference between um, helping somebody the way they want you to help them mm. and helping somebody the way you think they need to be helped. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and so, uh, um, you know, thinking about the differences now, um, I guess it's an approach. I mean, obviously I'm going to be more, uh, more, more patient and loving with my, with my kids than I would, uh, you know, a, a college university student. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the principles are generally the same, James, like, just you know, being respectful for where they are and and, and their mindset, and and um, again, trying trying to come at it from a place of how am I going to help this person learn from this situation, whether it's my kid or whether it's a a student, and and grow from it. You know, I guess that's that's the that's the coach in in us, right? And you know, I think that applies to you as well, and that's the that's the mentoring piece of it. Um, yeah, I guess you know, there's if, if anything, the difference is that if you if you mess up it's going to hurt more when it's your, when it's your own, then it's uh, if it's someone who's, you know, a student, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm glad that you brought empathy up because that's uh, such a powerful tool. <clears throat> and uh, it's, sometimes it's not everybody's first gut move, right? The first gut move is an empathy. I mean, maybe sometimes the first gut move is fix it or devil's advocate right. or, uh, yeah, or, yeah. you know, but some, sometimes it is empathy. Right. And, <clears throat> and knowing, knowing what your normal, first move is is important and that's why i just i just wrote down the the quote that you said uh there's a difference between helping someone the way they want to be helped versus helping them the way you think they need to be helped uh, <laughs> right. that's, that's so brilliantly put uh, and uh so yeah yeah i yeah i like i like that outlook and it makes sense you know, it's funny sometimes Sometimes going back to one thing that you said, sometimes I hold people who are closer to me, not sometimes, always I hold people who are closer to me to higher standards than I hold people that aren't. Um, And because of that, sometimes I'm less patient with them where I wish I would be more patient. Right. Like, and like, sometimes I, I wonder if, you know, back when I was working on a day-to-day basis on a college campus, there were times where I, I, had, I had a partner at the time who literally told me, I wish you would give me the patience that you gave your students some days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was know. so true. It was yeah. so true. I needed yeah. to hear it. It sucked to hear. And yeah, but it was, it was a hundred percent the truth. Yeah. You, you, you made reference to um, going into fix it mode. And I could, I could definitely say that <clears throat> earlier on in my career, I definitely was, I got I'm going to get this solution for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, with time you recognize this was, is wrong, right? Like um, not again, going back to what I said earlier, well, you're not doing them any favors in that way. Right. And so um, sitting with that discomfort, I think is important. Um, being human about it and saying to someone who's obviously, um, seeing you as, as someone to, 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 to support them and advise them and be there for them in that, you know, kind of wisdom type manner um, that if you just come across and shoot them an answer, just go do this, right. You're, you're, um, you're kind of setting the stage for them to think, well, I, I can't operate that like that. And so you're, 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 you're kind of holding them back twice almost. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can sit with them and say, listen, I don't know the answer to this either, but I think the two of us are smart enough to figure it out. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Right. Or better yet, 
I'm the wrong person. This is super hard for <laughs> yeah. anybody to do, um, but I'm the wrong person to help you with this. Why don't you go talk to so-and-so? She's got this. She'll know exactly how to guide you along this path. She's better mm-hmm. at it than me. Like talk yeah. about talk about learning in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment like that, saying to somebody, I just don't know, and I'm actually not the best person to help you, I hope would come, come with um, that individual feeling a little bit less about having to know everything or be good at everything, right? When mm-hmm. someone in, in a leadership position can say, you know what, someone else is going to be better at this than me. Yeah. Yeah, that relatability is powerful, right? When we see ourselves in someone else, we believe that we can. And, and sometimes in that moment of relatability, we're, we're, we're doing just that. We're telling them that like, hey, you don't, you don't need to know everything right now. Right now, right. where you are is okay. Right now, who you are is enough. And we're all figuring it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, 20 years, 30, 25 years, you're senior, still trying to figure it out. Right. Right. Yeah. We're on team. But if we're on team, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a powerful thing for a leader to say, right? 100%. Um, I don't know. Right. You know, yes. um, leaders who leaders who listen, but at, at the same time can be honest with the uh, members of their team to say, you know what, I don't, I don't know, but we'll figure it out together. Um, I, I, I think gain, gain the trust of their team members a little bit um, quicker and stronger. Um, and, 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 you know, I guess gain their respect in that regard. That is, he's not willing to make it up just to save face. Yes. You know yeah, I mean? and you're not, you're not helping anybody in the moment when you do that yeah. at all. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it was cool to hear you say a few moments ago that, you know, in the beginning, I used to do this a lot. And now mm-hmm. I kind of do that a little bit more, right? That growing process of of learning. In the beginning, I was I was 100% Mr. Fix-It. And it's taken me a while to not be that. Yeah, Learning your own talents and strengths is, uh, is, is something that is critical uh, because – it allows us to take pressure off of ourselves for being everything for everyone. Um, it's so, so not only is it the wrong way to do it, as we were just talking about, right? Like mentors don't know everything. As a matter of fact, it's great when they say they don't know what's something. Um, but also, you know, you do a fair amount of coaching and consulting uh, and, and oftentimes very generously. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but still, um, as a, as a, a coach or consultant, in order to be the best coach or consultant, you really need to know what you can offer somebody. Yeah. Right? These are my strengths and these are my talents. Now, in the beginning, whenever you're in that, whenever you're in that place, you know, I know when I first started being a life coach, I literally had clients across the board. And I was like, yeah, I can help you with anything, right? I mean, I didn't know about it. And not that I could help you, but I was like, it's my job to just ask you questions so that you come up with your own answers. I can ask anybody questions and have them come. But it turns out there are certain people that I was like, I don't know the right questions to ask you because I don't know enough about X. And so uh, fortunately, I was charging nothing or very little then. So it's not like I was raking these people over the the coals for the situation. But still, um, there's part of me that's like, okay, I need to really hone in on what am I excited to help people with? Where are my skills and my talents? Um, which is, which is super important to do, but it also sometimes is scary to do because are you closing yourself off to potential clients? Yeah, nerve wracking, right? Especially when you're just getting started. And so, I'm wondering for you, 
you know, when it comes to, when it comes to some of the coaching and some of the consulting and also some of the work you do as an executive, but how did you learn what skills uh, and what talents you have in a way that you could provide them to a potential client with clarity, right? I can help you with X, Y, and Z. These other things, I'm actually, as you mentioned before, I'm actually not going to be your best person. You should go to so-and-so for that. Right. You know, how did you kind of hone some of those skills and actually be able to name them? Yeah, that um, that that has been tough. And I think to an extent remains tough because I, I have a difficult relationship with with compliments, right? So <laughs> just, just the idea of... of um, saying out loud i'm good at this yeah already comes you know off a little bit weird with with, with me um but but you know uh, to address your point directly this <laughs> one um, <laughs> <laughs> to address your point directly um i mean you know um governance which is which is something that i really enjoy and and and, and you know i make reference to myself as being a, like a, a governance nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the sexiest part of, of, uh, of, of work. Right. Um, the idea of, of um, structure and, and um, systems thinking, you know, not, not a lot of people get, you know, super excited about, um, uh, about talking about uh, or, or engaging in those types of conversations. Right. Um, but for one reason or another, I just, I just got hooked to this idea of, of, um, of, of governance and how that interaction at a, at a, at a board level um, and, and the work that happens at a board level to, to sort of set strategy and then articulate that to a CEO or to a management team and then work with them to set that up um, was always something that for, for one reason or another, I just, I just enjoyed doing and, and, um, found um found others asking me about right like why do you do it that way and, and and how do you do it that way you know you've taken something that's quite traditional um and you've put a little bit of a twist on that how and why and i think that then merged into this this the strategy piece of of um um linking opportunities ideas and people in a way that maybe others weren't and i yeah. you know if 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 I do allow myself that one compliment or pat on the back is that I do think I, um, I can size up a situation, I think a little bit, uh, differently or, 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 or quicker than, than others. I, um, it's like, I can see around the corner sometimes, you know what I mean? And, um, presumably dots that should not be connected. I, I enjoy the challenge of connecting them. Um, when the end result is the improved life of somebody else, especially, especially James, if it's, if it's youth, yeah. um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show up and, and, and put in the work when it comes to um, um, helping youth advance in, in their careers and their life or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the way you put that. <clears throat> I think that it is, uh, it's, it's, it's hard because when you are very generous, it's, it's, it's weird to think about the ideas of putting, limitations on your generosity. Um, But I guess what we're talking about is not that it's actually, it's actually saying like, Hey, I am a tool in front of you. And here's how this tool is best used. Right. Right. I mean, could a hammer fix most problems? Probably, but not all of them. Right. (laughs) So right then, but the fact of the matter is like, here's how I, here's what tool I am in your belt to help you out with X, Y, and Z, right? Like I'm, we're going to 
crush it with some governance. We're going to talk about structure. We're going to talk about some of these things that a lot of people, as you mentioned, and I agree with, don't find sexy, but are very important. Some, it's the grease that keeps the engine moving. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that's the part of the, the work that I'm not good at. It's one of the reasons why I do what I do, because I wasn't good at that side of stuff, right? And I was like, you know, I don't know who Robertson, why he came up with all these rules are and stuff like that, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think nice he and I would have hung out in high school. Um, so, but at the same time, it matters, right? Because yeah. there has to be a system of organization because it does create efficiency. Um, and so uh, they need people like you and I in these places yeah. to make sure that there's that balance. But it's amazing yeah. that you've re- learned your talents and know what makes you happen. And what, and also like the way you started smiling when you talked about it, right? Like <laughs> it's not a subject that people get giddy about and start smiling right. about. You're like, I freaking love this weird shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, James, is is like governance um, articulates who gets to decide what and when. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like big complex organizations, right? You know, who gets to make these decisions under under what circumstance? How are they held accountable? Like all all some pretty fundamental and I think you know um, um, to an extent obvious things. Mm-hmm. That's governance. It's just not acknowledged as such, right? Yeah policies and you know uh, the relationship that the board has with the ceo and you know the latitude that the ceo may or may not be given and and then how that translates into how you know she provides um her management team time and space to you know leverage their talents to accomplish goals all of that is governance whether you realize it or not right organizational design structure. whether you're naming it or not <laughs> yeah 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 and i guess yeah. you know you know I, i've I've come to that journey where I can put that name on it. But at the end of the day, the work is everybody's kind of doing the work, maybe not really recognizing that it's, it's under that, 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 you know, umbrella of governance. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's real. And, you know, I think it's cool also because one of your passion areas is uh, EDI work, right? Equity, uh, diversity, inclusion work. And uh, there is a, a, a powerful role in governance and who gets to talk and when they get to talk and how they use their time and, and, and whatnot. There's, there's a role in, you know, what are we doing to move the needle in some of these places? Because sometimes without structure, people are just talking, right? We're not yeah. getting anywhere. We're not, who's taking responsibility, who's whatever. Right. And also who's allotting when who can speak and et cetera, et cetera. And so um, <clears throat> I think, you know, that, that's where policy changes happen and we're actually affected. And yes, yes, we need to affect how we talk, change the way that we talk one-on-one to individuals. But at the same time, <laughs> we also need to do the bigger work as well. Yeah. Because some of these, some of these archaic policies and some of these archaic ways of thinking uh, need to be written out of some of these laws or yeah. rewritten to include um, and, and whatnot. And so um EDI work is something that you are very outspoken about um, and is at the forefront of a lot of the conversations and the way you think about the work that you do. And so I'm wondering, where does that where does that stem from for you? Right. You and I both being straight white males um, uh, who who live who live comfortable lives. Right. Um, Where does that stem from for you? Does that does that come from being the 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 child of immigrants um is it some of it start there or is it something that like maybe you didn't even think about it when you were younger as much as that way and now all of a sudden it's come into your life a different like i'm just curious where your passion for it stemmed from yeah um you know I, i'd love to tell you that you know it's, it's been with me 
throughout, right, uh, from from childhood to now. But you know, the truth is, is it, it hasn't. I, I I would you know I would venture to say that growing up, I had racist thoughts. I had homophobic thoughts because growing up the way I did and and, and how I did. Um, there wasn't that in tuneness to to the feelings of others in that sense, and and the understanding of of just being a good human or humanity, right? You know, it's it's not that um, it was blatant or anything like that, but it was those microaggressions that you know, whether at the time I realized them or not, were being experienced by you know by my classmates and, and by my friends and what have you. And it just you know it didn't register with me because to your point, I had the privilege and it was all lost on me. You know, fast forward a number of years and, and, and you know, being fortunate enough to work in the environment that I do, you get exposed. You get exposed to great ideas and, and, and new ways of thinking and, and you meet wonderful people who, um, you know, over over a cup of coffee and maybe some French toast, explain to you what, what their journey to the exact same spot uh, that you're at um, how different it was for them because they're black or because uh, they identify as being uh, um, um, from the LGBTQ plus uh, community. And, you know, that, that either is going to have one of, one of two effects on you, right? You either shrug your shoulders and you'll be like, well, that's not me. You made it. So obviously it's not bad, right? Horrible approach to think about it. Or to your point, you'd be like, I got to get to work. I have a I have a greater responsibility here, right? Like, yeah. I, I, and I think I said this to you earlier. Like, to an extent, I'm not sure how much I earned what I what I what I have and what I got to. And, you know, I said luck, but a lot of it could have been just privilege, right? Looking the way I do, um, and that sense of responsibility is there to to um, 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 improve, right? Improve as a human being myself, uh, recognizing that. Um, Others who have it hard don't have it hard because they lack something. Mm-hmm. It's just because of the way others perceive them. And that's that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing for me to allow happen or to just sit back and let happen. So, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. It's certainly hard to to be a part of, you know, these these big conversations. But, um, you know, I, I want to be in these conversations, not, not just from a sense of responsibility, but again, just I, I think I'm a good human being. Good human beings stand up for each other. Um, and whether that's being uh, an active anti-racist or um, finding other ways to fight oppression, um, I, I look for those opportunities and, and mm-hmm. I, take, I take it on as a, um, um, as, a, as a good member of the community I think should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also you have the opportunity to, uh, to kind of be the neck that turns the head of, of some of your students when it comes to this, right? Like, I mean, uh, do you ever see the movie by Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah. 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 So there's the point where the mom is said that the wife and the family is the neck and the man is the head. And sometimes it's the woman's <laughs> job to turn the head. Now, yeah, there's, there's some stuff we can unpack in that as well in this conversation. But still, let's not touch on it. Stick with me to find, hang on with me to the point of this, I'm with you. which is that, you know, sometimes as, as coaches, as mentors, as directors, as executives, it's having the patience uh, to not just tell somebody the thing, but ask them the question so that they can see it for themselves and come to the answers themselves and be like, oh, shoot, this really does matter. Or, oh, shoot, there really is an incongruency in the way people are treated. Or, oh, shoot, the real, right? Like, um, and that's the longer route in EDI work, mm-hmm. but it is 
by far also the longest impacting route as well um, for people to be able to see some of that on their own. Um, and that's, that's a cool way that you combine both of your, something that you are passionate about and something that you're very good at is the way that you have these conversations or, or try to have be in the, be in the conversations with people about these matters. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. You know, and, and to your point, like some of the work you do on your own and some of the work, you know, you're, you get lucky and you have the benefit of others who, you know, turn your neck and say, have you thought about it that way? Or can you mm-hmm. see it from this point of view? Um, yeah. And I, you know, we've been talking a lot about coaching and mentoring and, you know, I've benefited from that too, right? A hundred percent benefited mm-hmm. from, from having coaches and, and, and mentors, um, you know, exp- I guess ex- expose me to books, expose me to, to, to trainings, you know, being in, in the post-secondary environment, yep. you are, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of, you know, workshops and trainings and, 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 and such that you can participate in that, that really push the envelope on your, on your own, um, conscious and or unconscious biases. Um, and then again, you, you, it ultimately boils down to, to that, that critical decision. Are you just going to shrug your shoulders and move on? Or are you going to say, I got something to do about it. And, and, um, you know, I I guess I've decided to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think I love it. I think the two ways that you highlighted that we learn either, whether it's from a a mentor or we learn it on our own, I'll step, uh, I'll step, I'll throw one other one there uh, is also, also sometimes we learn by stepping in the shit. Right. Yeah. And we just we say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, you know, intent versus impact. We learn really quickly that there is a yeah. difference between those two. Um, and all three of those ways of learning are are valid. And we get to where we get to by a combination of all three of those. Uh, last question that I have for you, brother. Last question I have for you is this. As someone who works with university and college students, uh, one thing I've noticed is that a number, uh, I'll say 90% of the schools that I've spoken to this year, um, at some point in time on my call ahead of time with them, they have said, and just so you know, we recently had a suicide on campus. Mental health is at a, uh, a, a critical status right now for all of the right reasons, um, but, and, and for a whole bunch of wrong reasons um, and, you know, societal pressures and social media and, and, you know, I don't, I don't knock all that kind of stuff because I'm very much a part of it. Um, and some of it rewards me. Um, but, uh, but I'm wondering, are you also noticing that with your students is mental health up in, up in Ontario, something that you all are having conversations about. And uh, I know it's a big question to end on, but I'd just be curious to see, you know, what are some ways that you're trying to have conversations around it that you think maybe some people listening today could be like, Oh, I could talk to somebody or I could talk to myself about it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, I, I think it's actually a great, great way to, to, to end because um, I think the thing that you and I have in common is, is, you know, that, uh, that investment that we uh, put into to youth um, and hopes that they can be reached that full potential that, that they have. And, 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 and that is the, that means they're the, they are the, their whole selves, if you know what I mean. Um, and the mental health piece is, uh, is a big component of it. Those, those conversations, um, they've been, you know, we've been having them for years. The pandemic and COVID, you know, definitely highlighted that. You know, shout out to all students who made their way through uh, their studies during this, during mm-hmm. this period of time. Um, like talk about, you know, resilience. It, it, it's, it's 
crazy to see um, what they went through and how they persevered. And that's, that's a testament to, to them as individuals. And I think, um, you know, they need to hear it, right? They, they, they need to hear that they are enough. They need to hear that, um, that it's okay to, to, to not be okay. And when you're not okay, there's a ton of people who want to help you. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them are going to help you with a hug. Some of them are going to help you by sitting down and having a conversation about what the root causes uh, are. Um, but ultimately, everybody wants you to be happy and succeed. And there are a lot of different ways that, um, you know, the resources that are on campus throughout Canada and I'm sure the U.S., um, they're there. You know, they're there for students to take advantage of. Um, um, social connection is, I think, the 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 kind of missing piece of this puzzle like you talked mm -hmm. about social media and, and 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 what have you and obviously in a pandemic where you're you know told to stay home and you know not not connect with others that has a that has a and it certainly did have a big toll on 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 youth um but you know nothing beats you know sitting across from somebody at a diner and and shooting the shit and talking about life and and being vulnerable mm -hmm. um and, and for, for those of us that are in these positions of either, um, you know, I'll put in air, air quotes like power or, or what have you, um, demonstrating vulnerability um, is a way to um, help others, in particular in this case, youth, um, feel good about the fact that they're experiencing things in such a way means that they're not alone and that there are others who are doing it or are feeling it too. Um, and that again, it's, it's, you know, it's okay not to be okay all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, mental health is no different than physical health. It just it, it, it presents itself differently. And so the same way you would treat, you know, a sore shoulder or a, or a banged up knee, you should, you should treat your mind and you should seek help. And, you know, there's, there's power in that own that there's nothing, you know, stigma is a big thing. Um, but we got to crush that stigma. You're damn right. We got to crush that stigma. And it truly is. I think, I think we're, I think we've come a long way. Um, I think in some ways that's how social media has helped because people are actually talking about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's it brought the concerns out in a way so that we, know almost even more what our students are dealing with. Um, and, and so in, in some weird way, it's also helped as well as very much hurt. Um, and it's a fascinating thing, but we have the knowledge, we know what's going on. So what are we going to do with it? Um, and I, I love the way you just put that. And you and I have never had a bad conversation. Brother. <laughs> we, just, we just haven't as, as much as time is as separate. I know we haven't seen each other in uh, at least five, six years, Yeah, that um, sounds but right. it, does, it doesn't matter, man. Right. Uh, it's always a pleasure to sit down with you, hear your thoughts. I've always respected the work that you do and the man that you are. And Appreciate so I that, cannot man. thank you enough for coming through the diner, brother. Whether you realize it or not, I look up to you too, man. Like the the the, the books, the, the the speaking tours, um, you got a lot to uh, you got a lot to be proud of too. And everybody north of the border, well, depending on which location of the U.S. you're at, because some of us are north of, more north than I am. Um, <laughs> but Canada loves you, man. And next time you're you're in town, we're gonna go to my favorite diner. It's on, buddy. It is on. Hopefully, we get your Raptors game too. I love those. For sure. games. We can do it's, that too. It's always a party <laughs> there. Love that. Yeah, love that stadium. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it, brother. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Y'all, that was my time with my man, Signore Perone. Ercole Perone, he's a man. He's just such a great dude. I love his insights about things that we talked about today. We talked about mental health, obviously, uh, and, and, and being that voice and letting other individuals, uh, giving them the space to talk and, and make sure, how are we listening? What does the empathy look like in the work that we are doing? Uh, same thing with the DEI work. And it's just... I just love the way that he put a lot of the matters because a lot of it came down to the fact that through being a little bit more seasoned, having a little bit more experience, he learned to ask questions before jumping in. Right. He learned that the fact that, uh, you know, learning is harder than assuming, but it's work worth doing, whether it's in the DEI space, the mental health space, the mentoring space. Uh, and that's, that's something that we're about here in the diner, y'all. So I appreciate you all coming through. And until next time, do me a favor, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.